One of the most important revelations I ever heard came from my days building my real estate portfolio. Hey, I'm the Reluctant Book Marketer, and I've got just one question for you. Do you see your novel as a million dollar asset? Because if you don't, and you want to, you're in the right place. This is the only show for novelists who want to shift their mindset away from fear and toward abundance. Because you can sell more books than you ever dreamed when you believe in what you're doing. I was part of the Bigger Pockets community, interacting in their social media forum, listening to their podcasts, talking with people on Facebook through specific groups. And there was one person in that community, I didn't love everything that she had to say, but she said this one thing uh, that revolutionized the way I thought about my life. And it's not that I didn't know it intuitively, but there's something about having a truism that can be really valuable, that you can fall back on in times when you are struggling. And if there's one thing I know about us novelists, it's that we're struggling. We're struggling to bring our work to the world. We have these thoughts that no one is interested in reading the books that we're writing. We have these beliefs that no matter what we do, we're never going to be the household name that we dream of being. And I have some bad news for you. Most of you listening will never be a household name. But not because you don't have the ability, the potential, the creativity, and everything that you need to be a household name. Because this piece of advice that I got, this revelation that I learned from my days in real estate, it's the thing that you aren't embracing. You can have anything you want, but you cannot have everything you want. Okay? You can have anything you want, but you cannot have everything you want. Please take a moment to reflect on that, to think over it, to realize that as much as it is a truism, it is true. You can have anything you want, but you cannot have everything you want. So let's break that down. How does that work? I want to weigh 185 pounds, and I've got bad news for myself. Right now I weigh 216. Just about three months ago, I weighed 242. I looked to myself like the, the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, the True Puff Marshmallow Man. I looked like the Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. Maybe that's a different marshmallow altogether. I looked like the Michelin man. That's what I looked like to myself. I had like rolls and my face, even though I was fairly jovial, glowed and it was pudgy. You didn't need to know all of this. The point is, if I want to weigh 185 pounds, I need to take certain actions that will ensure that I don't weigh 242 pounds. So I can't, in that case, have my cake and eat it too. Because if I eat that cake, I ain't going down on the scale. I'm going up or staying the same. I made some hard choices over that period. 
but I want to illustrate why you can do this. And, and when, when I say you can have anything you want, but not everything you want, you can get creative with this. And I'm going to be vulnerable and honest with you, okay? In my own life, I value alcohol. <laughs> it's, it's something that I probably shouldn't value as much as I do, but I really value it. And so I made choices to incorporate alcohol into the way that I lost weight. And that's what I've been doing for the past couple of months. So, so for me, what I do is I fast for 72 hours a week from Sunday night through Wednesday night. I don't have anything but black coffee and water. You might call that radical, but go ahead and look up the scientific evidence on it. I'm completely safe to be fasting for 72 hours a week. There are plenty of doctors who would say it's absolutely natural to fast. So let's not get all freaked out and worried about what I'm doing with my diet. It's healthy. That said, my legal team did advise me to inform you that I am not, nor have I ever been, a medical professional, and this should not be construed as medical advice. Please seek the counsel of a physician or licensed medical professional to get your medical advice. What it allows me to do is bank a lot of calories that I can expend at different points in the week. So on Wednesday, we eat a delicious dinner. It is always decadent. It's really, really good. And then I don't have any drinks. And Thursday, I start eating around 3 o'clock, maybe have a small lunch and then a small dinner. And then Friday, it's on. Friday, it's on. I get to have drinks. And that is a time of the week that I really look forward to. And I've had a hard time balancing it. I've lost weight doing this. But I've also then struggled because another thing that I want is to be a respectable person. And if I'm completely honest, there are times when I get my drink on and I make a phone call that I'm not really proud of or send a text message that I look back on and I think that is not in line with the kind of character that I want to have. And yes, by the way, you're a writer, you're a novelist, you're listening and you're like, what does this have to do with writing novels? We'll get there. And hopefully this is just resonating with you on a personal level too, even if you don't drink. Maybe there's something in your life like too much sugar, too much fat, salt, whatever. I don't know. Um, not enough Bible reading. Shoot, I, I really don't know. I'm just trying to personalize this to get the point across. You can have anything you want. You just can't have everything you want. So I've had to, in the past month and a half, redefine my relationship with alcohol. If I want to keep it, if I want it in my life, and it's something that I want in my life, I have to figure out how to reject the bad parts of it. So that means I have to start either changing my drinking behavior or not doing it because I really value being a respectable person. That is at the top of my list. I want to be somebody that is dependable, respectable, and known for his reliability and his integrity. Okay, and you might not think that there's any ethical reason for me to drink, but we can disagree on that. It's okay. Now, let's talk about writing. You can have anything you want, but you cannot have everything you want. Okay, you can be a best-selling author. You can be a household name. But now you have to start defining all of the things that you cannot have if you want to have that thing. And the best example that I can think of to illustrate this is someone like Stephen King. He writes daily. He writes daily, every single day. 
He claims that he doesn't write on his birthday, but I don't believe him. I think that that's kind of a tongue-in-cheek joke. I think we're all supposed to know that that's a tongue-in-cheek joke. Look at the list of books that he has written. He is highly dedicated to the craft. He speaks. He is living and breathing writing. And that especially in the early years when he was writing Carrie and all of those things. He worked an 8, 10, 12, 15 hour shift. Part of it at a laundromat. Part of it teaching. He raised kids. He loved his wife. But he would leave after a super long day and put in hours of writing every day. Because he knew what he wanted. He had a dream of something that he wanted. He ran into, in his later career, drugs and became a drug addict and an alcoholic and it nearly ruined him. But unlike many people who are fully ruined, he recognized what he wanted and he was able to embrace his writing at a new and deeper level and that changed his life and it changed his books too. You should really pay attention to the work that he's done since he recovered from drugs because it's arguably better than anything he did before. I know there are a lot of people who think his early work is revolutionary. Um, I heard Joe Rogan on a podcast say that he was better as a drug addict. That is nonsense. Joe Rogan hasn't read his recent books so I'm calling you out Joe. You can have anything you want. You can't have everything you want. Here's an interesting one. Uh, Ian Fleming wrote the James Bond novels. Uh, Well-known, well-loved, people consider him the master of the genre of thrillers and spy novels. Uh, he wrote in the summers, and he's not known for being prolific. But you know what he did have that a lot of us don't have? A really deep network. He spent a lot of time in leisure, and he built a lot of contacts in the industry. And so he was able to do something that most of us can't. He wanted a lot of social time. He wanted a wide circle. He wanted a sphere of influence. He wanted friends. And he didn't care about being known as the best writer. Now, it's interesting that he's known as creating a genre, and we can talk about that as well, because there are times when we accidentally do things, and then we just embrace it, and that's okay too. You can have anything you want, but you can't have everything, okay? He is not known as being a literary writer. He is not known as a prize-winning author. He is not known as somebody who expressed ethical modesty. He's known for certain things because you trade other things to get what you want. My editorial assistant has advised me to inform you that I want a family, a dog, and to live near a train track. And for that reason, I cannot have complete silence, because I can have anything I want, but not everything I want. Now think of yourself. You are listening in right now, and I hope that your desire is to be a best-selling author. I don't know why you would listen to a podcast about being a best-selling author and selling a million copies of your book and getting your marketing mindset right for your books, getting your books into people's hands if you didn't want to be a best-selling author. I really don't. I, I, I just, why would you spend your time listening to a marketing podcast and getting all like twisted up inside about the things that you could be doing? Anyway, what are you not doing right now? What is contradicting what you say you want? There's something you're doing right now and you know what it is that is holding you back 
from being a best-selling author. Okay, I heard from one of the people in my community recently uh, that she hoped that her readers would spread her book word of mouth. And I asked her, um, where are you going to talk to your readers? How are you engaging with them? And have you asked any of your readers to give you a review? As yet, she has not replied to that question. And that tells me I might have touched a nerve. And sometimes, I try not to, honestly, because I just want to put the information in front of you and let you make a choice. I don't, I'm not confrontational if I don't have to be, but occasionally someone says something like that, and I think, if you, if you want your readers to spread your, your work, word of mouth, what are you doing above and beyond? Because nobody is going to spread your word, <laughs> nobody is going to spread your work, word of mouth, if you aren't going above and beyond to give them something. You need to give way in excess of what you expect to get back, what you hope to get back. And then you have to ask for what you hope to get back. Um, recent example, I, I asked on Twitter, is anybody willing to follow my YouTube channel? I just started a YouTube channel. I'm proud of it. It's an, in its infancy. And I asked, is anyone willing to follow it? Uh, and I got, I think, six or eight followers out of it. I have 14 and a half thousand followers on Twitter. Six people responded and said yes. And I know all of those six people quite well. They interact with me on a regular basis. They are people that I have poured into with comments and thoughtful responses and who have also poured into me with comments and thoughtful processes, uh, thoughtful <clears throat> comments and thoughtful responses is the word of the day. 500. I'll take comments and thoughtful responses for 500, Alex. I missed Rebecca, by the way. Uh, you may as well. I haven't actually watched any Jeopardy since he passed. You can have anything you want, but you cannot have everything you want. What are you going to do today to get closer to that thing you want? I would suggest write down what you want. That would be step one. Get your mind right by seeing your goal on paper. Get your mind right. Write down three things that you want. I want to be a best-selling author. I want to sell 10 copies of my book this week. I want to write two chapters of my book so I can get closer to publishing it. I want to make contact with 12 people who are ideal readers for my book. I want to research how to define who my ideal reader is. I want to. Thank you so much for continuing on this journey with me. It has been immensely gratifying to grow together, to experience new achievements. I want to ask you in the community, I would love to hear from you. Shoot me an email at jodyjsperling at gmail.com with an achievement that you've had recently. I want to know something that you are proud of. I would love to hear that from you. Email me. I will email you back. I will celebrate you. I will pump you up. And the great thing is if you email me, it will pump me up. I'd be so excited to hear from you. I do have a book coming soon. And I want to offer something for you, but this is going to be a very specific thing for a specific listener. And so I, I understand that you have to be really excited about this podcast to do this. But I am looking for a launch team. 
I don't have an idea of how big it's going to be yet. That's a thing I'll figure out this week. But if you're listening right now, you're enjoying what you're hearing, and you want this message to get to more people, the seven-figure marketing mindset for novelists is a book that just distills everything I talk about in the podcast and puts it in a sensible order, okay? Things actually follow one to the next. You know what you're going to get in the next chapter versus this podcast where you never know if you're going to hear an interview or whatever. The seven-figure marketing mindset for novelists is going to launch by Christmas is my goal. And so I have a little bit of a runway, but I am looking for some people who are willing to spend a dollar to buy the digital copy as a pre-order. And as soon as you do, I will deliver the book to you. I'm looking for ratings. I'm looking for reviews. I'm looking for hype. I am looking for people to spread the word about my book. If you love this message and you want to be part of that team, I would gladly accept you. I'm asking you to buy the book because I'm asking you to put skin in the game. Um, And there's going to be something really exciting and really special that I'm going to deliver only to my pre-launch team. Okay, I have an interview set up that I will not release to anybody else but the people who are on my pre-launch team. It's a really big time interview and I'm super excited for it. I hope that you will take that opportunity. The best way to let me know you want to be on the pre-launch team is to email me again at jodyjsperling at gmail.com. Please reach out if you are interested, even curious. I will talk to you a little bit more about it, but until you actually buy the copy of the book, which means it has to be available for pre-order, I can't tell you who the guest interview is. Gotta build that suspense. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a big favor right now. Click on the follow button in whatever podcast app you're listening on. That way you'll get notifications every time I drop a new episode. And if you still can't get enough, you can go to the show notes, click the link for my newsletter, and sign up today. I'll give you one to two interesting pieces of content every single month that you won't hear on the podcast or find laying around on the internet.